Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to keep up with the world of professional men's volleyball. My name is Dan. On today's podcast, we're going to talk some news. We're going to talk some major upsets that happened across several of the biggest professional leagues in volleyball, especially in Italy. The last couple of weeks have been insane. Then we're going to take a trip down to the volleyball stock market. We're going to see which players are hot, which stocks we want to get in on right now, which players are cooling down. Definitely want to get out of those positions. Basically just a way to talk about the players who are trending up and down right now. So that's our itinerary today, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. First news is something that just kind of broke right before I recorded the podcast. Tine Ernaut officially being signed by Milano. So my first big takeaway from this signing, which to be honest surprised me a little bit, is that Jean-Patrice's injury was a lot more serious than we had thought. We hadn't heard a lot about this groin injury, how long it would, uh, it would keep him out for, how serious it was, but if they're willing to spend a little money on a player like Ernaut, who's, who's not going to come that cheaply, then there must be a chance that Petri is out for most of the season, if not the entire season, including the playoffs. Because if Petri was coming back soon, even if it took a couple more months, then I think the current situation is fine with the three wing spikers, Steven Marr, Yuki Ishikawa, and Luka Basic. Even though none of them are natural opposites, um, just the level of play, especially Yuki Ishikawa and Steven Marr are both you know, two of the better outside hitters in the entire Italian Super League and are playing like it right now. And then Luca Basic is, is fine. He's not an amazing player. He's a below average starter in the Italian Super League for sure. But he's doing fine. And, and Milano's doing okay. They're not killing it. But the, I think they would make the playoffs with those three. So they must think this is a really serious injury to Jean Petri. And I said they are, don't have any natural opposites right now. And that's still going to remain true when Tien Ernout comes to the team. I mean, Tien Ernout has played a little bit opposite when he used to play for Modena, but has pretty much been exclusively an outside hitter for the majority of the last few years. Fairly good uh, receiver, actually, so he's, he definitely brings a lot of value from that point of view. But he can hit the ball opposite. We've seen Stephen Marr manning the opposite position, uh, also as a receiver, though. So there's been some interesting lineup decisions in Milano, for sure, I mean. I feel kind of bad for Roberto Piazza. I mean, he goes from Scraw one year playing Milano Badapur in the middle, and now he has this situation to deal with in Milano. But I mean, in terms of the volleyball on the court, I think it's a it's a great signing. I mean, tearing out, we see recently in like the 2019 Euro Volley Championships playing at an extremely high level. So if he can continue to play kind of like that, I think uh, this signing he's definitely a big improvement over Luca Basic. So between Ernaut, Mar, and Yuki Ishikawa, that's a very strong trio of wings. Probably will take some time for Ernaut to get back into volleyball shape. Not sure if he's been training, where he's been training, uh, how long it'll take for him to fit in with Milano. But yeah, overall, I like this move, but it does suggest that Jean Petri is going to be out for a long time. And to be honest, I probably would have rather had Petri than Ernaut, given how they were playing before and his better fit with the team. Another small injury, Sergei Grankin. Looks like he might be out a while because Berlin Recycling Volleys are signing German setter Sebastian Kuhner, who was a longtime member of the team, which is really unfortunate because Granken was killing it 
uh, had a great connection with Ben Patch, was really kind of this weird fit with Berlin, you thought at the start, but he's actually played really well. Berlin was killing it, absolutely demolishing the German Bundesliga before his injury. Sebastian Kuhner will be all right as well, but you always get a little nervous about a guy coming out of retirement to play. Definitely, this really hurts Champions League odds if they if they thought they seriously had any chances in Champions League this year. Uh, in terms of German League, I think they're still the strongest team, even if they don't have Granken throughout the entire season. But yeah, Champions League is it's unfortunately for Berlin because I kind of like their team, but it's not looking likely they're going to make the playoffs this year. Another signing is Danish setter slash opposite Mads Jensen. Played for UCLA in California, Los Angeles last year. Great school. But decided to move on, start his professional career. We've seen that from a couple guys, including another guy who I'll talk to next. I think the uncertainty regarding whether there would be any volleyball this season, even if it's a short season in the spring, has you know caused a few guys, if they have the option available to them, to go and play professionally to try and, I mean, Taking an entire year off when you're 21, that's like really not good for your development. So getting the chance to go to a professional team like Verona, play against high-level guys, I think I think is going to be a really good thing for him. Hopefully he can still finish his degree at UCLA, even if he doesn't play volleyball there, because that's a nice thing to have. But yeah, he's coming in to play opposite. So if you're a fan of UCLA, watch them last year, you might be a little confused because he was playing mostly at setter last year, which is also hilarious because the guy's like 6'10". So definitely, I mean, probably the tallest setter in, in all of volleyball. Smart, athletic kid, but yeah, his hands were not great. I think that was a big criticism of last year. I remember watching videos from the volleyball showcase, which kind of pitted top American and Canadian university teams against each other. And Mads Jensen looking really shaky, especially like going behind him to position one to the D-ball could barely do it, had no connection with his middles whatsoever. And I've talked about on this podcast before, it's tough to find tall setters who can connect well in the middle. But we'll see. He's looked pretty good in opposite. He's already played a couple games for Verona. So that looks like a more natural position. I mean, we see so often that setter and opposite are just, there's a lot of switching between the two positions. I mean, Namir Abdelaziz, Ivan Zaitsev, just a couple examples of guys who have really successfully made the switch. And if you weren't following the last few weeks in Verona, they had a dispute between Stefan Boyer, his agent, and the club Verona. I think there was discussion of Verona wanted a pay cut and uh, Boyer didn't want to take it and they were unhappy with Boyer's play. And then basically just a he said, she said situation. Still not sure what exactly happened there. Stefan Boyer, unfortunately, didn't sign for a real team. He's signing in Qatar. So no more Stefan Boyer, probably not. I don't I mean, depending on if he even goes to the Tokyo Olympics. So we probably won't see him for a little while, unfortunately. And Matt Jensen, I still don't see him being, you know, the same level player as Boyer, but definitely seems like an improvement on Alexander Kimarov, the 215 centimeter Russian opposite who, despite being insanely tall, over seven feet tall, just c- could not do anything, was incredibly slow and unathletic. So we'll see how Mads Jensen does. Another player who went pro early, another top young prospect, Xander Ketrzynski from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, from the same hometown as me. 
played for Ryerson Rams, a team who actually is probably the university team I've, I've watched the most just because they were pretty close to where I was staying when I was in Toronto. So he'd always go in games. So I've seen Xander play plenty of times in person. Extremely talented player, about 6'10", outside slash opposite, depending on what level he's playing at. Definitely at the college level, he was totally fine as an outside hitter. But even with college level serves, he still struggled a bit with his pass. Really tried to take everything with his hands. Was really shaky with his platform. So probably projects to be an opposite in the professional game. And I'm sure he'll do well in Qatar. I mean, Qatar has some decent foreigners playing it. I mean, Rosalind Penchev, Stefan Boyer, Michael Finger, Antoine Ruzier, Farad Gamey. So yeah, a few recognizable names in there, if not tons of major stars. But yeah, it's just completely ruined by the level of the local play. They make uh, the Korean League look like the Brazilian national team. Yeah, it's a tough watch. And, and generally, the foreigners are even more dominant they are than they are in some of the other Asian leagues. I don't usually talk about women's volleyball on this podcast, but I do watch it as well. Champions League women just started this week. A couple mini tournaments in the bubble format going on. So if you guys are interested in seeing how that will work next week for the men, you can check that out. I think it's a pretty exciting format so far, actually. I mean, it's a lot easier to follow. A lot of games going in at, on at one time. You can kind of easily track, you know, who's ahead in the pool. And so far, we haven't had any, like, crazy big matches. I mean, so this year, the Women's Champions League is probably just going to be anticipating Vakif Bank versus Caneliano finals in a march towards that all season. But I like the format. And if you guys didn't know, about half the games are on YouTube this year, half the games on Eurovolley.tv. And there's a special Black Friday sale going on. So uh, check out the CEV social media channels for that. But basically, you get half off for six months of Eurovolley TV, which covers all the way past the Super Finals happening on May 1st this year. So if you guys are at all interested in Champions League, I mean, there's the games on YouTube, but if you want to see all of them, then Eurovolley TV is only 15 euros, maybe like $25, $30 Canadian to get it all the way till May. So that, in my opinion, that's a pretty good deal. Not that expensive, probably the least expensive subscription of volleyball. I mean, we'll see what happens with 11 sports if they go fully to YouTube as well. But yeah, it's a cheap year to be a volleyball fan. There's one, maybe one positive thing about COVID. So moving on to the professional league recap, we'll start off with Italy because it's probably the most interesting this week because there were some really weird results. First, we'll talk about Perugia versus Monza. Perugia, one of the teams hit really hard by COVID spending the last month or so in quarantine. Monza was their first game out of quarantine. And as we've seen so far, usually teams are pretty rusty. I mean, it makes sense. You're not training with the team. Volleyball is a sport, especially at this level where the setter and the hitters and everyone in the blockers too need to be such on the same page strategically and physically that it's really, you know, takes a, a few weeks to get into your rhythm again. Also, just the fact that you know, I'm not sure exactly what level of fitness training and working out they could do, but I mean, it's also a factor. You lose a little bit of strength, you use a little bit, little bit of coordination, a little bit of cardio. So that definitely affects things. But I mean, I think it's better probably to have your entire team out at the same time because then you can just reschedule all your matches throughout that period. You don't have to have this thing that 
maybe like Trentino's dealing with right now where, you know, one player gets COVID here, one player gets it there. You know, you're down a couple starters pretty much throughout the entire season. So I, I, in my opinion, I think it's better to just, you know, <laughs> sounds bad to say, but get it over with um, all at once, as long as obviously everyone is healthy. It's, it's better not to get it at all. Let me be very clear um, about that. It's better to everyone is healthy and no one gets sick. But yeah, if, if they do get it, probably it's best to get it all at once. Anyway, this was an extremely entertaining game. Probably one of the best, funniest games of the season so far, just because Filippo Lanza with the redemption story in this one. Only 10 points in setter Santiago Orduna won the MVP. But the reason why this was so sweet for Lanza is A, he got the game-winning block out on Wilfredo Leon. I think he called it too. Apparently he talked to Orduna before the last point, told him he's going to block out, and then did a little tricky push the ball into the block and wipe it out. Good move, by the way. But you could tell Lanza was really emotional after the match. Apparently he may have said some like controversial things, maybe celebrated a bit too hard. In my opinion, I think that's something volleyball needs more of to have guys celebrating, going crazy and showing more emotion and energy like that. But, you know, there's always people that's going to complain about that. But I mean, you know, I've, I've ripped on Lanza a lot throughout the years on this podcast. But it's, you know, it's always nice to see a guy. I mean, he was cut by Perugia earlier on in the season, if you guys didn't know, was training with the team. And then no, no team in the Italian Super League would really pick him up. Perugia didn't want to give him any playing time and I suspect that David Sossenheimer was even playing above him in the practice lineup so Filippo Lanza was basically doing the score on the sidelines and also Lanza didn't want to give up his contract so it took a while to find a potential spot for him but you know he's, he's actually doing really well in Lanza this year you know he's definitely not scoring the most efficiently he's still really bad at hitting out of system balls but as lucky as Lanza's gotten over the years to get in the situations he's gotten into he has gotten you know ripped on by the media a lot and rightfully so a lot of the time so you know always nice to see a little redemption story and a little emotion in our sport of volleyball and of course on the other side of the net Perugia losing three nothing although we did see Alexander Atanasevich back and he he did play in the next game as well but yeah Perugia looking pretty rusty Atanasevich looking real real rusty right now but it's Perugia I'm sure they'll bounce back soon enough Another really fun one this week was Valencia versus Trentino. Valencia once again getting full points against an elite Super League team. Granted, Trentino was without Gianelli. Actually, funnily enough, Nimir Abdelaziz ended up setting for them. Actually did a pretty good job. I mean, Valencia played really well, but this was definitely a game that Trentino could have won even with Nimir Abdelaziz setting. I think if they had a few more weeks of trading, this would have been a legit lineup. So I think that Valencia didn't just win because Namir was setting. I think they legit won because they were really good on Wednesday night. It was a bit weird with the rotation. Dick Coy spent a little time at opposite. Alessandro Michioletto ended up coming in eventually, which, you know, always great to see him play. MVP of the U20 underage European Championships recently. Had a couple tries swinging in the D-ball. Worked okay. We know he can hit a back row ball before. If you remember from Scraw, he, he liked to hit the pipe there. But anyway, enough about Trentino and their weird lineup. Let's talk a little bit about Valencia. We keep saying it every week, but like, is Valencia for real? Are they are they the, the fourth, fifth best team in the Italian Super League? Because it sure seems that way. There's no, like Milano and uh, Modena aren't really beating 
the top teams like Valencia has. Valencia's just taking care of business against every big opponent so far. And, I mean, we've already talked about them. We've already discussed the reasons why that might be. Definitely coaching is a factor. I think it has a lot to do with the development of their young players, Bartholomew Chininez, Abuba, TJ DeFalco. Thibaut Rossard might be the MVP of the Italian Super League so far, given the way that he's playing. And David Seda is having like a career renaissance. So everything's really coming together for Valencia right now. And it really kind of culminated in this crushing defeat of Trentino. Another game that happened was Sisterna versus Modena. Modena winning 3-2 in a real ugly match, hitting 42% to Sisterna's 36%. Julio Sabi back for Cisterna. So they have a semi-normal lineup now. Unfortunately, no more Arthur Schwartz at opposite, which was so fun to watch while it lasted, and but unfortunately wasn't really resulting in too many wins. So actually, probably Cisterna is happy to get you know just one point in this one, given where they are in the standings right now. I still believe in Cisterna. I still don't think they'll be the team that gets relegated. I think they could take wins off of most of the teams in the league. But it hasn't been smooth sailing for them so far. Padova beat Verona 3-1 on the back of a Tonchek Stern game that he gets every once in a while where he actually scores effectively 31 in this one. So pretty crazy amount of points for a four-set game. Saw a little bit of Mads Jensen, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, scoring 16 points on 15 for 28 hitting in this one. So not a bad stat line considering how young he is and how fresh he is to the Italian Super League. Verona, though, definitely not looking like a playoff team this season with games like this. Even without Stefan Boye, this probably should have been a pretty solid win for them. On to the Russian Super League to talk about even more upsets. Zenit St. Petersburg, a team that I considered one of the best five teams in volleyball, went on a huge spending spree this summer, going out, getting Igor Kliuka, getting Viktor Politaev, getting Antoine Brizard, all three of those guys, top 10 players at their positions, losing to Inesi Krasnoyarsk in three straight, pretty like straightforward sets. And again, the Russian League has been so unbelievably lit this year there's so many teams that could qualify for the playoffs every team could beat each other on any given night except for beating Zenit Kazan usually yeah Krasnoyarsk it's not some random team they have some solid players on their roster including Todor Skrimov the Bulgarian outside hitter Ian Irishenko a Ukrainian outside hitter who is a very high level player and one guy who really impressed me a lot in this game is Kirill Kletz, who has kind of been on my radar a while because he was part of the Russian youth national team for a number of years, and 16 for 24 hitting in this one. I hadn't really watched him play a lot this year. Still quite a young guy, born in 1998, and boy, has he improved a lot since the last time I saw him play in the German league. His blocking is on a whole nother level. He's really using his size effectively. He's directing the ball back into the court really well. He's wrapping up those outside hitters so easily. The guy is listed at 6'11", and watching him, I don't know. I feel like he's even taller. I mean, 
the way he got up and blocked and hit the ball, he made Oriol Kameo and Dmitry Yakovlev looked a lot smaller on the court than him. So I, I think he's seven feet, maybe seven foot one. Definitely a guy to watch out for in Russian volleyball in the future. Obviously, Viktor Politaev is going to be the next guy up for Russia. But watch out. Kirill Kletz, I think, will definitely have a place on the national team. Great game from him. Looking real good as an opposite. Doing all you need to do. Blocking and attacking. That's all you need from your opposite attacker. Zenit St. Petersburg obviously losing 3-0 to a team that's not that's barely in the playoff race right now. Not a good look for them. Definitely some struggles in reception from Oriol Cameo. It didn't look that bad on the stat sheet, but the serves he was getting, he definitely should have passed better. It seems like he's not getting aced a ton, but also it's a lot of really messy passing, a lot of one, two level passes. Rarely does it get all the way to Antoine Broussard, and I think teams are taking advantage of that. Granted, he gives you a ton in terms of serving and attacking and blocking, but in games like this where he's not performing excellently at that end and also struggling to receive he can impact your performance quite a bit Antoine Brizard not the greatest game in this one subbed out in the third set for Dmitry Kovalev which is a nice guy to have waiting on your bench ready to sub in and a guy who I think should definitely have his own team in the Russian Super League shame to see a player of Dmitry Kovalev's level on the bench and another player on the bench Igor Kliuka out for this game and of course that makes a huge difference I mean who knows what would have happened if Igor Kliuka was in. This just goes to show what a monumental player Kliuka is. Even to Zenit in St. Petersburg, who has tons of other really high-level players, Kliuka just gives you so much in so many areas of the game, especially at the net, especially in serve. And yeah, I don't think it's the difference between beating Inessi Krasnoyarsk 3-0 versus losing 3-0, but they definitely missed him in this one especially when Politaev and Kameo weren't really firing on all cylinders. And the last upset I will talk about today is back in Poland, Skral Belchatov falling to Versava, which I find quite surprising given the trend of these two teams right now. Skral generally playing quite well, even without Taylor Sander. And Versava has dropped matches to some teams that I would definitely, definitely consider much below their talents level. Versava in this one were just unstoppable offensively. The team almost hitting 50% efficiency as a team, which is just insane. Bartosz Folek, 15 for 25. Artur Shalpak, 19 for 32. Michal Superlak, 19 for 29. So when your wings are hitting like that, that's, those aren't middles. Those are wings hitting 60%. Meanwhile, Skra only hitting 43% attack percentage as a team so they had a lower attack percentage than Versava had hitting efficiency so Skra definitely could use Taylor Sander right about now help shore up that attacking help shore up that serving help with the block defense as well I mean Taylor Sander is a guy that can help in every area of volleyball and I still don't think Skra or Versava for that matter are in danger of missing the playoffs in the Plus Liga but still a little a little risky here. Four and four for PG Skral Belshatov. And we're at close to the halfway point of the season. Maybe not in games played necessarily, but in terms of, I guess, the timing. So yeah, a two or three game losing streak here for Scraw Could be a bit of a death sentence for them, to be honest, given the way the tables are looking in the Plus Liga right now. I have a lot of confidence that a group this talented could figure it out. 
but right now I think the Wings need to play a lot better. All right, now let's move on to the volleyball stock market, a new segment I am starting this podcast. Which players are trending up? Which players are trending down? Who should you get in on right now? Who should you sell, sell, sell? Maybe buy some options, bet against the market. We'll discuss it all here. The first player that has been trending upwards, outside hitter from Padova. can probably guess who it is because I've discussed him on the podcast before. Mattia Batolo, a 20-year-old Italian outside hitter who maybe on the Italian national team didn't feature that much, had been overshone by some bigger prospects like Francesco Riccine, Daniele Lavia, guys like that, but has proven himself already to be quite the capable player. I mean, for being born in the year 2000, which is a little crazy for me to say that there's people born that young participating in professional sports and playing at a really high level. But anyway, Matteo Botolo, I mean, not killing it, averaging about three points per set on not great efficiency, but still very young. I think if he continues this really nice progression for the next couple of years, I think, you know, maybe he won't be a starter on the national team. I don't think he's that good, but definitely a guy that you can count on to be a solid starter in the Italian league for like 10 to 12 years to come. I mean, there's not that many really good Italian outside hitters. So if you have a decent one, he'll be in very high demand, I'm sure, in the future in the Superliga. Another guy this season who I hope you are buying is Namir Abdelaziz, another guy who we talk about a lot. I think this year might have separated himself as potentially the best opposite in all of volleyball. I mean, his competition at Tanasevich, Zaitsev, Svetin Sokolov, Maxim Mikhailov, I feel like they're all a little older. They're all a little tiny, tiny bit slower this year. So I feel like there's an opportunity for Demir here. And he's looked incredible so far, even though Trentino hasn't had the success that they thought. Namir's stats this season are just insane, leading all wing attackers by over 5%, hitting 57.6% attack percentage, at the same time leading the league in aces with 27 in 29 games, which is insane. Definitely still potentially could break the ace record if we end up playing all the matches. So this year, he's basically the opposite version of Wilfredo Leon. He's a huge threat to score an ace every single time he goes back to the service line. He's scoring a lot of points on an enormously efficient hitting percentage. This year, even doing better than Wilfredo Leon. And he's not really giving anything up in other areas of his game either. So that's why I think, yeah, right now, Namir Abdelzi is probably, probably the best opposite in volleyball, which I wouldn't say it this time last year. Third guy, who I already talked about on this podcast a little bit, Thibaut Rossard, other than Namir, maybe one of the best players in the Italian Super League. Certainly the guy that's probably playing the most above what we expected of him. I mean, last year when he was playing in Turkey for Fenerbahce, he was all right. He wasn't terrible. He's a good player still, but nowhere near the impact that he's having on this Valencia team right now. Just looks absolutely unstoppable, hitting ridiculous angles, serving incredibly efficiently and effectively. Right now, second in the entire league, not in points per set, but in total points, 184, only behind Tonchek Stern, and doing so 
5% better efficiency than Tonchek Stern. So Thibaut Rossard, incredible season for him so far. And Laurent Tilly must be licking his lips, looking at Irvin Engapet and Thibaut Rossard as his two starting outside hitters for Tokyo 2021 right now. And I mean, maybe I'll talk about this more when I do my previews for Tokyo, but Thibaut Rossard and Chen and Yez playing like they are in Italy right now. I mean, does that make France a legit contender at Tokyo? We'll see. You have to wait for my previews. And now for the volleyball stocks that are trending downwards in the stock market. For every winner, there's a loser, which is not really entirely true, but it's true on an individual trade level. Anyway, the first player that has lost some value this year, and this one really hurts me to say, painful for me to admit this, but Shawan Vernon Evans has not had the best season so far, appearing very rarely for Perugia. It looked like Vidal Hainan had him in his game plan as the stopgap opposite before Alexander Tanasevich came back. But it lasted all of one, maybe one and a half games before Teister Horst, who's a natural outside hitter, or at least that's what he's played in the past, came in and it has been the opposite, the starting opposite ever since until quite recently when Tanasevich will, I'm sure, be coming back and playing more in the next few games. But I mean, this is definitely Shawan's spot to take. He had every opportunity here to be the starting opposite. He was one of the best scorers in all of Italy last year on Ravenna. I think it would have been a great opportunity for him to get lots of playing time, score lots of points. And then when Atanasevich came back, learn from the best, work on your game, have a full year under Vidal Hainan, improve your blocking, improve your serving. And I mean, that stuff can still happen. But I'm just disappointed that we didn't get to see him more on the court. Of course, he's still young, still tons and tons and tons of potential, but we'll see. This is not really, I think, how most volleyball fans, especially Canadian volleyball fans, imagine this first part of this season working out for Shawan. And I'm going to do a two-for-one deal here, two guys that I'm selling, two kind of highly touted outside hitters playing for Sisterna, who I think is one of my biggest disappointments. I mean, if you look just on paper, before the season started between Valencia and Cisterna, I don't think there would have been that much of a difference if you were to predict the final outcomes for both of the teams. But as you know, the outcomes have been completely in opposite directions. Valencia doing incredibly well. Cisterna struggling to stay alive at the bottom of the Super League. And part of that definitely has to do with two wing players, Luigi Randazzo and Kevin Tilly who have both not really played up to their usual standards. I mean, I've, I have been a critic a little bit of Kevin Tilly in the past. I think the last few years, he's been one of those libero in outside hitter bodies. And I think that's really, really starting to show this year. He's the least efficient attacker in all of Super League, hitting 27% hitting efficiency, 38% attack percentage. Thibaut Rossard has scored over 100 more points than Kevin Tilly this season. Yet, Kevin Tilly has more attacking errors than him. So that should kind of show what the season is like right now for Kevin Tilly. At the same time, still passing extremely well. One of the best passers in the entire Super League. Also serving decently. So I don't know. I think Kevin Tilly, he's, he's kind of a unique player. Good serve. Really good passer. So he's definitely in a bit of a tough spot. I mean, on some other national teams, I would just say, hey, switch to Libero. You're an incredible passer. You're pretty good on defense. So just go to libero. But I mean, that's that's obviously extremely difficult when you have the best libero in the world on your national team. 
So I don't know. I think this might be the last year we see Kevin Tilly in Italy. I think he would do quite well in one of the lower leagues as an outside hitter where the block isn't quite as strong. He can still get up decently. So I think he can still be an effective attacker in the right league, in the right system. But if he wants to stay playing in the top leagues, I think he's going to have to switch to becoming a libero or uh, just stop playing in them. And the other guy, Luigi Randazzo, a guy who I really liked. I mean, Italy's desperately searching for a second outside hitter. I feel like they've been searching for a second outside hitter to put beside Osmani Wantarena for so long now. We had Oleg Antonov. We've had Filippo Lanza. Daniele Lavia has been thrown around. And Luigi Randazzo, another guy who is supposed to be the guy who's going to take Italy to the next level to put next to Wantarena. He's going to compliment him, but... Yeah, some tough injuries for Randazzo. And given the way he's playing this year, I don't think there's a lot of room in the future on the Italian national team for him, which is too bad because I think pre-injury, he was quite an effective attacker and server, never really had the reception game down. But given the rest of Italy's roster, I think that was more of an easier thing to hide. But yeah, this is the second kind of recovery season in a row for Randazzo, and he's still not looking that much better, so... I consider Randazzo a definite sell in the volleyball stock market. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that new feature there. And I don't usually do this, but if you guys could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I think that would be great. I'm a Spotify guy myself, but and I don't usually go on Apple Podcasts, but I see that most of you guys are actually listening on Apple Podcasts. So if you guys could leave a review, help me climb the volleyball podcast charts which I'm sure are not very big charts. But anyway, it would help me out. Appreciate that. Hope you guys enjoy listening. Hope you watch some great volleyball this weekend and talk to you next week.